You have reached the voice mailbox of Game Thing Season 5 Code. You have 14 new messages. Wednesday, the 12th of April, at 1:32 p.m. Hey, Pipperino. It's David. New season is upon us. It's spring. A new season of Game Thing is upon us. It's games about exploring code and interpreting code, which coming out of the preseason, um, as I understand it and you understand it, is a little bit like game thing on hard mode. Um, but I've always thought of you, Pippin, as someone who makes games for thinking about games. And although this is an admittedly heady uh, lens, I think something will come of it. I think something we can't really predict or fathom today. Um, so it's a good thing, you know, this is just you and me talking to each other and no one's listening and we can just sort of figure this out in private. But um, I know traditionally we haven't felt duty bound to like check out the hits, quote unquote, of what each season might suggest. But I think this time out, it's smart for a lot of reasons to at some point play and discuss a Zachtronics game. And I figure we may as well do it out of the gate. And I'll tell you what it is in a moment. But um, just for some context in general, because I don't know how aware you are, um, Zachtronics is a developer and publisher of games. It's Zach Barth's company, as I understand it. And I've always heard he, these games are a genre unto themselves. They're a blend of uh, engineering puzzles and programming games. I have never played one of them before. I know we have a bunch of questions we've finessed from the games we've played so far in the preseason. I honestly have no idea which will apply here. Um, curious to hear a little bit about your awareness, general associations, your vibe check for Zachtronics games. Um, so we're going to go with Shenzhen IO, which was developed and published by Zachtronics in 2016. Um, another sort of interesting insight into this lens is the developer of another game I'm considering for this season emailed me that he personally is not a big fan of this category we're embarking upon. He says he writes and deals with code enough in his day job, uh, colon, capital P, emoticon. Um, but he said he did find Shenzhen IO charming. So... Shenzhen IO I slash O is a game about moving to China, working for an electronics company and being an expat. Zach, I should say, sent us a code. In fact, he sent us a code, you and I, for every single one of his games because as he said in the email to me about a month ago, quote, you'd be doing us a disservice if you only looked at one of them. Um, the official text for the game reads, quote, build circuits, write code, RTFM which I had to look up, stands for Read the Fucking Manual, which I think in a way is really going to be a summation for how this one is going to go with me. But out of the gate, maybe let's try to set the table together a bit. I'm not calling on you as the professor or as the resident coder, but I am a little bit interested to hear, um, what are you curious as far as like the naive or folk art perspective I'll be providing? Wednesday, the 12th of April at 2.19 p.m. Hey David, returning your call and appreciating the choice of Shenzhen IO, uh, which is a game that Steam tells me I have played for three minutes already. So I've uh, you know I've been putting in the hard yards. In terms of Zachtronics games, it's not 
it's not something that I have a ton of experience with. I think I've dabbled in a few of them. I've definitely played Space Cam before. Um, and my overriding impression is, you know, oh, <laughs> these are very difficult games uh, for for smart people. And I, <laughs> maybe at some level I'm worried I'm not one of those people and I don't want the game to prove that. Um, so I'm glad to have the opportunity to just kind of forge ahead and, and really give it a whirl. And, you know, did some due diligence and had a look at the Steam page, watched the trailer. Very good trailer, actually, I thought. And I like the music, very perky, optimistic music, laid on top of something that is clearly incredibly complicated. Um, and the thing I think I, that I liked about it is that in the trailer, what it's doing is putting circuits together and assembly code to to just display the, the name of the game um, and flash some text and stuff. And it reminds me of just how things that you kind of feel as a human person should be kind of easy, like let's just make some text appear and flash on the screen, uh, can be incredibly complicated and time-consuming to actually write the code for. Um, and sometimes vice versa. Sometimes it's really surprisingly easy to do something that looks complex with very little code. Um, but yeah, the thing that I, I think often my programming students, for example, run into is just like, I thought this was going to be easy and it's really hard. Um, so there's a beautiful kind of clockwork feeling, I think, to the trailer, which I which I appreciate. Um, although I'm sure I will end up with a with a busted watch on my wrist. Um, and then the kind of the three big tenets, uh, build circuits. I'm excited about. I took a course on computer hardware back in the day, um, looking at logic gates and the components of a, a computer processor. So I am curious to kind of return to that kind of intricate cleverness uh, that's inside our machines. And then there's write code, which obviously is something I do all the time. But, you know, from the trailer, again, I can see it's some kind of assembly uh, code that we're looking at here. So I'm anticipating that being incredibly difficult to to pick up and run with. And then RTFM, which I think is a tricky one. Um, I think it's meant as a sort of cute, winky thing here, um, just a reference to computer culture and, and programming culture, but it's a little bit emblematic of how how much programming culture can maybe push people away and, you know, do the kind of get good thing, like, you know, help yourself because we're not going to help you. So I think one of the things I'm thinking about from your perspective is just like, I hope that the manual is written well, um, but more than anything, I'm wondering whether a game like this um, pushes you into the realms of computational thinking. Um, you know, like, does a game like this teach or kind of encourage that kind of thinking from somebody who maybe doesn't normally do that? Um, or do you, are you meant to kind of bring that along with you, like, you know, bring your own computational thinking to this restaurant? <laughs> so, yeah. Is David going to become a person who thinks like a computer? Uh, thanks to Shin, Shin Io is my big question. Will David become an Autobot or a Decepticon? Um, I'm eager to find out. Thursday, the 13th of April at 10.34 a.m. I neither understand the question nor shall I respond to it, Pippin. I know you're saying something about the Transformers, but I was always more of a Care Bears kind of guy. 
Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm tempted to say, oh, no, no, no. I'm more on the side of humans here, as flawed as may we, we, we may be. But, um, which is not to say I'm a Luddite. I mean, I'm sure you will recall, um, but I'm sure you will recall at some point earlier in our coming back into each other's orbit for game thing, you made some remark to me, David, trust the algorithm. And me, a battered traumatized recovering journalist type i'm like no reject the algorithm but it occurs to me this morning hearing your message at this point in time oh maybe this is sort of what you were talking about you just meant logic but why don't we since we keep saying computational thinking um can you define it or what it means to you or how its meaning has changed over the course of your career your your time with your craft, if you even think of it or call it such things. I know some people scoff when they hear the word craft. So um, I looked online, and yes, I did ask ChatGPT, what is computational thinking? And as I understand it, it said some stuff about breaking down a complex problem into smaller, manageable parts that develop efficient solutions. And I guess in a way I'm like, oh, well, that's sort of similar to an interviewing process, you know, what I know, you know, if you want to know what someone else thinks, it doesn't get any more efficient than literally just asking them. Um, But then it occurs to me like, oh, you could just, you could compare computational thinking to everything, which means you get further away from it being anything. Also, I asked JetGPT at the end of its very diligent definition. I said, oh, wait, but isn't this the definition of a garden hose? And it was like, oh my, yes, you are right, I'm sorry. So now I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to believe. But to Shenzhen IO, I had a harrowing 30-minute run with it yesterday. Um, I'm a willing student, but the game is a bit of an indifferent teacher. It's, it's funny, you know, it tells you via an in-game email from your employer, you get a message with the subject, important, read the manual, The second sentence in it is, you really, 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 really want to read the manual. And yet, my first impulse is to want to not. Um, Not as a contrarian, but because I think how I approach problems is I I want to get a sense of, like, the mountain I'm about to climb by going outside and getting near it. I don't want to read about the history of Sherpas or the difference in the design of crampons and micro spikes. I love Skype, don't you, by the way? Um... Micro Skype's even better. Then again, you know, I was the kid in school who raised my hand, and I was like, yeah, you know. And I got, I did actually get into some fairly advanced math classes in high school, but I was just like, yeah, raising my hand. Like, when are we going to need this trigonometry as an adult? So this is perhaps in some way coming back to haunt me. Um, maybe not, or, or maybe whatever, but, you know. End of the day, yes. Shenzhen IO is indeed charming. Um, booting it up, it reminds me a bit of firing up the Wii. It's got a ton of cheerful tones, little plunky sounds when you hit the buttons on the menu. Overall, very playful, bright, clean. And then over the 30 minutes, I went through all five stages of grief in a half hour. Um, there seems to be a process with these types of games always, just trying to understand, A, what it's asking, B, how to speak it to the game. C, understanding how what I'm speaking is saying that. And then, yes, I finally did poke through the manual. But 
I think it's a tad winking and how dense it is because it's obviously not meant for people like me. Um, and then eventually I finally just acquiesced and looked up a solution and typed it in um, and sort of understood what I was saying. I think it's just going to be a process of that, of just closely studying, and then I can have semi-intelligent things to say. Um, but we're talking about challenge quite a bit here. You know, you, you called these uh, Zactronics games very difficult games for smart people. You said your students have said sometimes problems they thought they're going to be easy and they're quite hard. I mean, all the things to challenge don't bother me. I picked this as a lens. I knew I'd be in for it. Um, for me, it's more about just like understanding like, well, what even is the challenge? You know, I sort of understand the question and I want to respond, but... Thursday, the 13th of April at 12.31 p.m. Hey, David. Um, I think we need to establish which Care Bear... Uh, you are then. I'm thinking Funshine Bear. Does that, uh, does that ring true? And computational thinking, I mean, yeah, I think it's definitionally at least about breaking a problem down into small pieces and solving the pieces to solve the, the greater problem. Um, but I think the thing that always interests me more about it than that is that when you're doing that, you're thinking in the context of I don't know, computational tools, right? Like you have specific tools to solve those pieces. Um, and so you have to think in terms of the available materials that you have uh, to do it. And so what's going on in, in Shenzhen IO in terms of code and computational thinking? It seems like we should, we should describe um, the game so that we can kind of talk about it a little bit um, with reference to, to what we're seeing. Um, and so we play as an embedded systems engineer uh, who has moved to Shenzhen to work at Shenzhen Longting Electronics Company Limited, which makes these electronic devices of various sorts. Um, and your job, and indeed the gameplay itself, is that you're given a brief about a device that they want to manufacture, and you create the design for the circuitry. So you, you know, specify microcontrollers that you're going to use, wires that connect things together, etc., um, and you also write the code for the microcontrollers that will make the device do what, what the people want. Um, so, for instance, the first thing you have to make is a fake security camera. Um, and all that that does is all that it does. It has a microcontroller in it, and you write code that controls two lights on the camera, one of which pulses rhythmically and the other which looks a little bit more flickery. So you have to figure out how to send outputs out of the microcontroller that control those lights. And so, you know, another definition that I often think about for something like computational thinking is just thinking like a computer. Like, if I were a computer, how would I do this? How would I make these lights uh, flash or flicker in these ways? And to do that, I have to think about what I can do as a computer, right? Which is like, I've got these microprocessors, they have inputs and outputs. Um, I have a constrained set of programming instructions that I can apply to this, etc., cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I think, you know, for someone who, you know, these early puzzles at least have just made sense to me. I'm really curious about where it is in the chain of the game that things kind of, kind of fall apart for you. I don't want this to turn into like, why, you know, why can't David read? But like, where is it that you think that Shenzhen IO or just this code stuff in general kind of 
falls off a cliff and it stops making sense. Is it the code? Is it the hardware? The little graphs of required output values? The chipper emails from fellow employees? Like, what's going on? Uh, where does it where does it happen? And call me computational thinking bear. Friday, the fourteenth of April at eleven forty seven a.m. Not to make things. This is David. Hi. Uh, not to make things too meta, but I realize like you asking me this diagnostic question maybe sets me down the path of computational thinking. It's just a little ironic because it's like breaking down the minute parts of a challenge. I don't really understand. Uh, I understand what it's asking of me, but the how is tricky. Like it's This is a little bit like Comet 64 where it just, Shenzhen loses me, as I knew it would. You know, it loses me in what you're meant to write or code, I guess into all the stuff here um, in the middle between of all the inputs and outputs. Like, I get conceptually what's going on, and I get that, like, even if the programming modules you're connecting are quite simple, it's just the language that vexes me. You know, the signal chart of, like, what you're being asked to do makes total sense, but how the commands line up and what they do, I still don't get. So, you know, usually how this shakes out is I eventually look up the answer, and I often even make mistakes typing them in uh, for a few reasons, because the text everywhere, <clears throat> screenshots of the game, these different places I've found solutions, everything is just so damn optimized that the text is like fine print, and also I don't know what I'm typing in. Uh, it, it makes me almost wish for a mode where you could sort of mouse over on each command, and it tells you what it is or what it's doing. Um, you know, I was pretty disheartened because I searched in the manual, you know, control F, for parts of a solution I saw in the second puzzle. And I saw it actually isn't in the manual. And so it disheartened me because I was like, oh, well, this thing that I don't understand is so basic, it's not even <laughs> worth explaining. But uh, I've actually found a few programming blogs, the old definition of blog, where couple of individuals are just thoroughly documenting their solutions. So I'm trying to chisel at tiny bits of knowledge. I don't know if it's coming together. It's a bit like Comet 64 because like in the bit I've played like about two hours now, parts are gelling and sticking, but I could not articulate what or how. Um, you know, I go through that. I make a duplicate schematic. Once I have a solution, I change the numbers, play around, try to understand what's happening. I know it all sounds like arduous homework, but I'm actually finding it quite fascinating. So, Pippin, uh, how do you feel about like the level of clarity and documentation in the manuals or other resources maybe you've been seeking out for um, solving problems? And, you know, as a game developer, however you identify as a coder, like, what is this doing to your brain? Oh, and I took a BuzzFeed quiz this morning. I'm Friend Bear. Is that good? Friday, the 14th of April, at 12.26 p.m. Hey, friend bear, tenderheart bear here, um, returning your call to talk about uh, Shenzhen I.O. I learned how to play this game by reading the, the FM, 
reading the manual uh, out of the gate, and I, I was going to read it cover to cover, but it does get pretty specialized towards specific puzzles as you go along. So mostly I read the kind of the language specification of the assembly language in the game, and I read about the microcontrollers and other little computery units that you get to use to solve the puzzles. Um, and the biggest surprise to me, I think, was how exciting I found the idea of embedded systems, which is not something I've ever done. Um, but the game made me realize I, I was curious about how all of those little electronic gadgets around us that don't just contain a general purpose computer running, you know, Windows or Mac OS, like how do they do anything? And uh, this game kind of answers that question to a, an impressive extent, right, by showing you that the way they do things is with little input pins and output pins and a microcontroller and some assembly code on the microcontroller that transforms the inputs into outputs and, you know, hey presto, you can go from a button that you click to an output on an LCD screen um, passing through this microcontroller. Um, but I do feel you on kind of the painful nature of assembly language. It's very, very terse. Um, and as you say, the game doesn't offer any kind of in-game explanations of like this line that says TEQ space P1 space 100 uh, is doing this. It's comparing what's inside uh, the input pin P1 with the number 100 and checking if they're, they're equal. That's what TEQ P1 100 means. Um, and without that, yeah, it's pretty hard to look at these programs and just get much of a sense of what they're doing. But if you, for, for instance, if we just imagine a very simple <laughs> program that just you click a button and it adds one to uh, a tally, like a, you know, a docent at a museum might use one of these, you could imagine you connect the input of the button to one pin, let's say it's P1, so you, then you do exactly what I said, TEQ P1 100 means check if the thing coming into P1 is the number 100, i.e. is the button being clicked. And if it is, then you can say add one, literally, and that will add one um, into another special place on this microcontroller called the accumulator, symbolized by ACC. Um, and if it isn't, you don't do anything. And then you could spit out that result to an LCD screen through the X bus pin uh, at X1 by just saying MOV, move, ACC, move the thing that's in ACC, the accumulator, uh, X1 into the X1 pin. And hey presto, the LCD updates. It's easy, right? Friday, the 14th of April, at 7.07 p.m. Okay, hotshot. The thing you used to casually dunk on me, the thing that I was <laughs> disheartened by earlier today, was TEQ, uh, which the manual doesn't actually explain. Um, for an explanation, I had to turn to that programming blog, programmer blog, one of them uh, I mentioned, called Jeremy Bites, and actually just in general, um, a lot of what Jeremy had to say was pretty insightful. I thought he was talking about how, I'll just read directly from his blog, um, how lucky you, you get to hear a voicemail of me reading a blog from several years ago to you. So Jeremy says, uh, Shenzhen, quote, made me come up with new ways for me to solve problems due to limitations in the instruction set, lines of code, and memory. In addition, I've had to consider timing issues and hardware capabilities. I know that this will help me in my future programming, even if it's not applied directly. And he also writes, 
The thing that I've found most compelling about this game is that it has made me think about problems differently. I'm used to effectively unlimited resources when I write programs. I rarely think about memory usage, and I never think about clock cycles. The constraints create a completely new challenge. And, I mean, from my perspective, and, you know, to give a little slack where we can, I think although Shenzhen does not tell you, although it doesn't tell you, like, literally what each line of code does in a direct way, there is a shape of learning and deciphering you can do by the way it shows you, I think, and my assumption is this is like a pretty exaggerated thing, um, it shows you like the signal flowing, like a cool waterfall from one component to the next, or, you know, a little more down-to-earth things like the signal chart I mentioned, it shows you numbers changing dynamically, it simulates your solution, like you can sort of get a sense of the moving parts, um, not the parts of the parts, though. And... I have no idea what my not knowing how to code tells you. I have to imagine, honestly, it's probably next to nothing. Um, and I don't know. I mean, okay, so you say, so you say, it's easy, but okay, hotshot. Like, uh, what do you find hard about it? Like, I'm not trying to be... Flip here. I'm not looking to have you gnash your teeth. I'm not even looking to hear you complain or to pretend you know less than you do. I find, you know, like reading Jeremy's blog, I feel like it's 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 more insightful to hear um, where the challenge comes in, why it's challenging, why the knowledge you have may no longer help you or not as much. You know, where there's I don't know. I feel like just all that wrapped up and then this being a video game, like, how does that affect everything? I.e., like, this is not real, but the concepts in it are. Sunday, the 16th of April, at 11.15 p.m. Monday, the 17th of April, at 11.06 a.m. Hiya, David. It's Pippin. After a good weekend of rest and relaxation, and if only TEQ stood for tequila, uh, but it doesn't. It stands for test equality. And I guess I didn't communicate it super well. Um, I had intended for my listing of, uh, of that program to make it clear how not easy <laughs> the game is, uh, you know, how opaque assembly language is in particular. Um, but no, I'm not finding the game easy. I'm currently completely stymied on um, on something. I can't even remember what it is right now. And I think, uh, at least for me, at the heart of what I find difficult in the game is very much in keeping with what your Jeremy, or Jeremy Bites, if that is his real name, <laughs> Uh, was talking about, which is a big part of the game revolves around efficiency, uh, which is to say that when you finish a design uh, that works, uh, you see these bar charts that show uh, where your design rates in terms of how much it cost, like the, the sort of the different parts that you used, microcontrollers uh, most obviously, uh, the amount of power that the device draws, and the number of lines of code you needed to write to, to solve the problem. 
And that's what's hard about the, the game, I think. Well, that's the most difficult thing about the game. Um, and, you know, Jeremy talked about how it's, how that's fun, right, to program within constraints. And I think that that's true. I think that that's the puzzle nature of this game um, for people who have experience uh, with programming is that the really efficient solutions are generally not very clear. They usually involve finding some kind of very hacky <clears throat> or, or devious trick that you can do um, in the assembly or a way that you can wire things together that you, you might not immediately think was sensible. Um, and the fact that you get these bar charts really underlines that that's kind of the objective in some ways, right? Because what happens is you see the bar charts after you, you solve a problem and it's immediately apparent that you don't have the best solution. So even if you solve the, solve the problem and you have a solution that kind of makes sense, it almost certainly won't be the most efficient solution to the problem. And the bar charts tell you that, that there are ways to do this faster and cheaper. Um, but the thing about that that has been really interesting me as I play is that I get this feedback that my I have a non-optimal solution, but then the employer doesn't care. <laughs> or yet, I, I should say, I suppose. But So I feel this kind of great sense of guilt when I submit this design uh, that's not that great, and the, the, the employer's just like, oh, great, thanks. Um, and I, you know, I don't have an embedded systems degree, so I shouldn't feel that bad, but I feel guilty like a bit of an imposter. Um, but maybe that's realistic. So... Yeah, how do you relate to that feeling of kind of doing a job uh, for these people? Question. Tuesday, the 18th of April at 11.20 a.m. You know, you asked in an earlier message, um, what exactly was confusing for me about Shenzhen IO? And I was tempted to say, oh, well, you know, as a freelancer, these emails from friendly co-workers quite vex me. What is going on here? So alien. Um, but what you're describing here is, a, I guess, like it's a form of imposter syndrome that the game is giving you. I don't know how affected or exaggerated it is for the sake of um, voicemail. But I know for me, it's like, I don't even really know what I'm doing <laughs> here at all. So, like, the the... The image that comes to mind is like, you know, there's that old gag of two kids in a trench coat. For me, it's a bit more like two kids in a suit of armor because, like, the game can't see me at all um, as I do my job phonetically. And I can report, you know, on average, despite that so far, you know, as I'm setting aside time to play and I deep dive in... I've been saying this since Comment 64, like I come back day after day and something about all this is sticking. Like I still can't come in and be like, oh, I need this chip. I got to write out this command and easy presto, as you say, here we go. It's more like, hmm, wait, this command looks familiar and what does this do? And I look up the answer and then, you know, this must be the first time I look up the answers and still get it wrong or I can't figure out where the wires hook in or generally still can't quite do it, but I get conceptually what's going on um and i wish i just i wish i had something profound to say about the experience of what it's like to go in playing a video game knowing it's going to humble you in a thinky and specifically in this arcane way i mean we can keep throwing colorful metaphors at it but i part of me has wondered like well 
did I go through a similar process like this when I first learned to play video games? Though the skills look differently and the problem solving smells differently. I mean, I believe you came to games, video games later in life than I did. I wonder if there's anything about the shape of that instinct. Like, does that or does that not wash with your experience? And we haven't talked too much about the story, which maybe we don't want to spoil. I mean, I felt like from the first puzzle... I suspected there's going to be a twist here, or maybe your company doesn't have the most noble goals. Um, if that has proven true to where you are, <clears throat> does that then make you want to sort of throw the fight and uh, lob in less articulate solves? Does it make you want to imbibe with some TEQ before playing? And um, here I do mean tequila. Okay, bye. Tuesday, the 18th of April at 2.24 p.m. Hey, good afternoon, David. It's Pippin returning your call with oodles of imposter syndrome. Um, almost not so much in the game, but I think there's this risk for me as a person, <laughs> you know, with a with a computer science degree of just getting imposter syndrome in my real job uh, from the game. You know, like oh, what you can't work out how to make this thing work in Shenzhen IO, you know, should you be teaching programming? Who are you? Uh, but fortunately for me, I'm in my 40s, so I think I'm past all of that at this point. And I'm currently working or was working on um, the design for a VR buzzer, which is to protect one of my co-workers when he's having intimate moments in VR uh, from somebody interrupting him. And had a really hard time with it. Um, some of the same kinds of, you know, quote, interesting thinking, end quote, <laughs> that some of the blog posts were talking about, like it forces you to think about timing issues because you're using a specific kind of input. Um, it needs you to think about storing the current state of the buzzer. Is it on? Is it off? Um, over time. And you need to oscillate a signal so you kind of turn the the buzzing bell on and off to create the buzzing sound. Um, so there's all of these sorts of ideas, some of which I was making progress on, some of which I wasn't. Um, and just this feeling of being all crowded in by the limited space uh, that you've got to work on anything, uh, literally in terms of the circuitry and the, the space that you can put them in, the number of lines of code you can fit on a microcontroller. You know, my elbows are hitting the walls and I'm kind of suffocating in there. Uh, and so I did actually, I eventually reached for a walkthrough um, because I was just interested at that point in just, well, how do people solve this nicely um, as well? And I read the solution and it was very nice. And I was like, yep, that makes sense. That's what I probably should have done. And importantly, it felt very RTFM um, because basically the reason that the solution worked were three instructions I just wasn't even thinking about. Uh, there's one called TCP, which is a specific kind of um, comparison I had looked up at one point, but then forgot about. Uh, there's a NOT instruction that is really important for oscillation. Had totally forgotten that that was in there, even though I did RT the FM. Uh, and there's the JMP instruction, which is about jumping to a different point in the code, which I had completely disregarded. In part, weirdly, because I have the baggage of this famous, <laughs> this famous um, article written by the computer scientist Edgar Dijkstra in 1968 called "Go to Statement Considered Harmful," where he he kind of argued against exactly this kind of instruction, jumping from one place in the code uh, to another. Um, 
But really, I think what we probably need to talk about is is how much time I am spending playing solitaire instead of doing my job. Wednesday, the 19th of April, at 10.53 a.m. All right, how much time are you playing solitaire? I, um, I assume you're referring to the in-game solitaire and not whatever is on your operating system, the, the program that's designed by your boss's daughter in-game, right? I mean, unless you're concerned about time theft and you re- want to report yourself in-game, I wouldn't sweat it. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, maybe you should, because I think, in a way, it's one of many things setting the scene for other bigger moral questions um, that Shenzhen I.O. is bringing up and where it's all heading. Like, playing solitaire is just following orders, right? There's a lot of stuff in here about um, complicity in systems and I think it's, like I said, I think it's signaled pretty early on, and I, I don't know, I, I find myself just thinking quite a bit about another input-output system, which is the email. Um, I joked about it before with the coworker stuff, but really, you know, all you can do as the engineer in this game is just click to do the job, you know, in the workflow, you're, you're given work, you have no real say in what you're doing, uh, maybe this is, you know, what it's really like to be an engineer. I don't know. Maybe you know. But it's it's funny. It's a funny way to exist in a company, not having to worry about whether the product will sell, your turnaround time, indeed, even how much time you're playing solitaire instead of reading the fucking manual. Um, I did some reading online, and I saw... I guess it's okay to spoil stuff. This game came out in 2016, so... Um, I read later in the game the email threads at time turned into Chinese without caring whether you can read, which is I read also, this is something for what it's worth, that was inspired by Zach of Zachtronics' uh, experience working at HTC at Valve. So that VR buzzer for intimate moments may indeed be based on something very real someone really had to do for their real job. Um, and as icky as that may have made you feel, Pippin, um, I guess this is the big spoiler, and I haven't gotten there, but I read about it, and I sort of figured it was going there. I mean, where all this is going in Shenzhen I.O. is this, this uh, the work you're doing is helping to build a police state. And I guess just <clears throat> as you watch it happen slowly, even if you have the suspicion, you know, in these emails where you can't say anything, you just have to obediently do the work. Um... I don't know, it's just, it's all got me thinking. Like, I think, like, Shenzhen I.O. really shows me how, with computational thinking, like, you sort of, how easy it is to lose sight of, like, the bigger impact that your work is having. So, you know, no wonder you're just playing solitaire. You're not not hurting anyone, right? (laughs) Wednesday, the 19th of April, at 1.42 p.m. Hey, David, yeah, about that police state. I um, have encountered kind of, I guess, the first inklings of that with the infrared sensor uh, that you get to build. Um, After you've built it, it's basically a device that checks whether anything is above a specific heat reading in the environment. 
your kind of product manager says, quote, just letting you know that your design for the infrared sensor component was well received by our partners and is set to be integrated into a number of products currently under development by various defense and security firms. Obviously, our performance here opens the door to more jobs of this nature. So thank you for contributing to Longtang's future, end quote. Uh, to which uh, Carl Teske, he of the uh, VR intimacy buzzer, uh, says, quote, hang on, we're becoming a defense supplier, end quote. Um, and, uh, of course, as you kind of pointed out, I think, what do we say? We say nothing. Uh, we never reply to our emails. Uh, we apparently just either play solitaire or get the job done. Uh, or both. And it's, I think, I agree pretty clear that coming down the the line of the game is going to be more and more potentially problematic um, design that we need to do for this company to earn our paycheck. And I think that that's an interesting tension there. Um, you know, one of the big reasons that this stuff ultimately gets built is not because uh, the people building it desperately want to be involved in the defense industry, but because they... They need money, they need to eat, uh, they need a house, and uh, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and that's kind of mirrored in the, the way that, you know, well, this is a game, so it's a similar issue for me, right? Well, I need to play this game. I'm playing this game. I need to solve these puzzles. I need to make progress. You know, those things are my rent, my food bills, etc. Um, and I think, you know, once you start thinking about a more sinister uh, plot, in some ways, most technology can end up, you know, it can end up being that for you, right? So if you then read the the FM, then you start to think, oh, but, you know, well, what could uh, a clock be used for? Oh, it could be used for a bomb. Now, what about a wireless transceiver? Oh, that could be used for a bomb, too. Um, and then it starts to get pretty explicit, too. There's uh, an item called the D80C010-F, which is uh, an encrypted ID tag. Uh, which includes the line, uncertainty is the norm and the potential for conflict or even chaos lurks around every corner, end quote, in its, <laughs> in its marketing copy. Uh, there's then a natural language processing unit. It's easy to see that in terms of censorship, especially in this context of China, right? So uh, the game is definitely playing around with that idea of harmless technology versus uh, technology that's being leveraged for harm. Um, and, you know, the next thing they're going to tell me is that all of the solitaire I'm playing is somehow an interface to global thermonuclear war. Damn it. Wednesday, the 19th of April, at 2.51pm. Hey, Pippin, it's David. And as the tape runs out and conversation draws to a close here on Shenzhen IO, uh, just thinking out loud is what passes for a voice message these days. Maybe we lost the plot. I mean, I think it's good to keep a pulse on the ways that, yes, computational thinking can be about how easy it is to get blinkered or siloed. And yes, I think this is what Shinjin Io is about in some way. I mean, I can tell you from my own experience, um, talking to so many software engineers, coders over the last decade, to me, looking back, I realized like, a through line in a lot of those conversations, including the one I had with you when we first met, is about, well, how do people with this skill set and work history stay optimistic about where all this stuff is heading? I mean, I think usually the front line and even people in the C-suite, they tend to have this attitude of, 
well, we should just build the best products we can. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to at, say, Microsoft in the early days where they tell me, well, earnestly, you know, that's that's the goal. And I think eventually for many, you know, there's this dawning responsibility that creators should consider the potential impacts of their creations. And it's no criticism criticism of Shenzhen IO to say, oh, you can't really do that, or there's, the game doesn't give you a way to do that. I mean, you can sort of have that realization or suspicion as a player. And that's always been the thing with technological advancement, you know, whether it's Facebook or the atomic bomb <laughs> or video games, you know, advancements uh, bring progress in one area, introduce problems in another. And what I've come to understand is many of the highly skilled people in tech who were there in the room on a lot of these big, um, changes is they have an attitude of like, well, if it wasn't me, someone else would have done it. And I think there's like a futility to that, but I also think there's an honesty to that. And so I call you and I wonder, Pippin, what can I, as a person who has logged hours in a game about this, you know, game that flirts with these ideas, do? Um, what can any of us do? I mean, I have one thought, which is that it's worth remembering that silos can be good. They keep crops dry, but also my mind flashes back on a lecture in high school uh, in physics class when we were doing a unit on electrophysics, and Coach <laughs> Coach Beebe uh, introduced to me this concept. It's the first time I'd heard it, garbage in, garbage out, which he meant more as like, look, I know this stuff is super dense, and you just got to learn this crap and repeat it on the test. Um, Geigo is, of course dismissive and derogatory and it implies that the input of data or efforts of others can be worthless or inferior um and shenzhen io is about how there's just so much stuff that happens between input and output um and i really think you know shenzhen drops this in very early um there's an email from tilly subject shenzhen days where are we why are we even here you get it pretty early on after you start, and so it reads, today's topic is, why the heck are we in Shenzhen? No, really, like, why are we here at all? I don't mean in the immediate sense. Sure, we all have some job or some businessy thing to do, but let's talk about the larger factors at play. Where's all this capability headed, you know, in the future? Are we going to just make more stuff, more products and things until the world is buried in crap? I guess I'm asking, what is all of this incredible growth for, anyway? I have some ideas, but that's a topic for another day. End of messages. Thank you for calling GameThing. For more information, please hang up and dial GameThing.life. Goodbye. <laughs>